What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Truth. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's alive. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to a conspiracy extravaganza. Calm down, douche. We are talking about a 100-plus-year-old shipwreck. Let's not oversell it. Oh, James Cameron would be ashamed of you. James Cameron should have died in the Mariana Trench. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as douchey as he is, speaking of douches, I did forget that he went down on a sub and, like, the windows were cracking and stuff. Wow. Anything to get away from Linda Hamilton. That's enough. What? Dude, you know we cannot mention Linda Hamilton. <laughs> let's just uh, Let's just hope that one got by. Broadcasting from the watery depths that are the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. We're your hosts, lead dive instructors this week on Hysteria 51. My name is Brent Han. He is David Flora. I'm Kyle, and I love Linda Hamilton. Oh, fuck. He heard it. Come on. Both of you shut up. Please. <laughs> so, <laughs> getting back to it, those idiots are conspiracy bot and Kyle. I built Seabot to help plan and edit the show. Instead, he just plans a demise and edits Wikipedia to include his alleged exploits in past history. Some people have a problem with the truth being told. And Kyle is his creation and at least is much more chipper than his daddy. Never call me daddy again. Deal. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> now I feel dirty just having been in the room for all that. She was excellent starring opposite Ron Perlman in Beauty and the Beast. See, but do you see what you did? <laughs> this silence speaks volumes. <laughs> Back to the, the story at hand, which is near, far, wherever you are, I believe that your heart does crave conspiracy theories. You're welcome oh. for not singing that, just saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, think we deserve some five-star reviews just for having me not sing this week. So you're welcome. Uh, That's world. right. Hold them at gunpoint, Brent. Hold them. <laughs> Near far. Crap. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Hair trigger. Um, I am relatively sure that at least the vast majority of you are familiar with the Titanic. The what? Uh, exactly. But we are approaching fastly the 112th anniversary of her sinking. 110, you dumb dumb. Uh, April 14th and 15th of 1912. What, what is that? The the uh, the ice anniversary? Yeah. <laughs> the ice anniversary. Right, right. We wanted to give her, though, the H51 treatment since we weren't around for the 100th anniversary and talk some of her truths or conspiracy theories. Mm. Depends on which which line of these you kind of fall on. That have kind of lingered after all this time. Brent, did you have to? Did you have to let it linger? <laughs> to let it linger. Um, <laughs> the most musical episode we've ever had. <laughs> uh, David, for those who were uh, born under a rock, living under a rock, or hit over the head with a rock, 
Why don't you give them some history on the Titanic just to get everyone up to speed so we know what we're talking about? Well, Brent, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> You're going to get rice the San Francisco <laughs> treat. A living room set from Cahill Furniture. <laughs> <laughs> so the RMS Titanic was a British passenger liner. It was operated by the White Star Line, and she was famously called the unsinkable ship <laughs> until she sank. Yep. An iceberg took the ship down starting at 11.40 p.m. on April the 14th, 19 and 12, and she sank two hours and 40 minutes later while under the command of one Captain Edward Smith. Not with an E, so you I probably shouldn't have hit that TH that hard. Um, <laughs> Titanic was the largest ship afloat at the time she entered service and the second of three Olympic-class ocean liners operated by the White Star Line. Mm. And More on that. More on that. Yeah. A bit. Um, That's foreshadowing, in case you're keeping tracks at home. <laughs> Brent, do you have a foreshadowing sound or clip? Uh, yeah, here. Um, I think I have. It's under foreshadowing. Where is it at? Right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Farm remembers. <laughs> <laughs> have you... Have you seen, uh, I, I hate to divert real quick here, no, but please. have you seen pictures of the Titanic compared to today's modern cruise ship? It is crazy how tiny she is compared to how vastly massive she was. Literally, the Titanic is so small. It is just crazy how vast ships now are that are, you know, just booze cruises. <laughs> you oh, know, like. Boy. Carnival stuff and and all those you know the uh, the herpes of the sea and all those beautiful ships that they <laughs> <laughs> that they uh, they have out there running. Have you done a cruise? Have you ever been on a cruise? Never, I have not. I did one with friends right after college, and then a few years ago, I did podcast cruise, which was a precursor to podcast movement. Uh, they, they just it was the podcast cruise part was great. The it was a little weird be, though because we're on a cruise. F- and eight hours a day, we're in classes and and I'm speaking engagements and stuff like that while people are running by in bikinis and giggling and drunk. So that <laughs> part wasn't as fun. I'm not a cruise fan. It's just a walking cesspool to me. But a lot of people love them. So sure, you know, there's uh, no, there's no there's no right or wrong. And I've also they've been on only on like carnival cruises. There's a lot of higher end, nicer, beautiful ones. I'm so what sure. you're saying is everybody start saving up for the Hysteria 51 cruise yeah. coming in 2020. <laughs> there are some uh, of our shows very similar to our vein that are doing a cruise. Uh, in one, Jerry, right? Jerry uh, Polly's doing Yeah, one. so Jerry Polly, if you're not familiar, he's been on here before of Hillbilly Horror Stories. And I know the Brohio podcast are also doing uh, that same cruise, so... If you want to tell dick and fart jokes about ghosts while under maritime law, you know who to talk to. <laughs> I don't think you're legally allowed to otherwise. <laughs> well, anyways, the Titanic build uh, was handled by the Harlan and Wolf Shipyard in Belfast. I Let me divert us again, for fuck's sake. Uh, I... <laughs> I I visited the Titanic Museum in Belfast just a few years ago. Oh, really? And... Uh, I thought it might be kind of corny, you know, like I'm, I'm not a huge Titanic fan. Uh, A lot of people get real into it, but it was legit. It was a pretty cool museum. 
um, they actually had a ride in the middle of it. You got in a little pod chair and it like uh, zoomed you around different, um, oh, I, I don't know, really? like murals and projections mm-hmm. and sounds. And Is that the one they have like a, a, a place where you put your hand in the water and it's the temperature where of the I water? I don't know. I don't remember doing one of the that, Titanic places has have. a place with the water of like the temperature the water was that night. Wow. And, that's and, a good idea. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. But yeah, it's a, it's a cool museum. If you're ever in Belfast, uh, I'd recommend it. It was, it was neat. <laughs> if you find <laughs> yourself in Belfast, skeptical about it. <laughs> uh, so anyways, um, cause that's, that's where they, they built it. They built it in Belfast yeah. and, uh, the ship carried some of the wealthiest people in the world, as well as hundreds of immigrants, immigrants, e from Great Britain and Ireland, Scandinavia and elsewhere throughout Europe who were seeking a new life in the United States. Sorry, out of new life. All we have is death. That's harsh, but on, on point. Now, yeah, yeah. Well, right. Now, <laughs> mm-hmm. Getting uh, an and anachronism scene. there, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, the first class accommodation was designed to be the pinnacle of comfort and luxury. Mm-hmm. It had a gymnasium, a swimming pool, which is the ultimate irony. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a swimming yep. pool on the high sea, libraries, high class restaurants, and opulent cabin really really opulent stuff now pales in comparison to it just ornate and gorgeous and <laughs> yeah great or you were down in the depths with the third class and uh you, you had a pile of poop to lay on so <laughs> yeah yeah one maybe a bunk, or the other uh, a bunk bed poop uh yeah poop poopy mm-hmm. bunk bed <laughs> poopy bunk bed but. was my imaginary friend until i was 19 <laughs> howdy ho i'm poopy bunk bed <laughs> I'm I'm pooping bed, and I'm here to tell you those people don't have nothing on you. They only make fun of you because they're not happy with themselves. Shut up, poopy bunk bed. (laughs) I'm just trying to inflate your self esteem. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, I tried. (laughs) He's just real. I'm surrounded by assholes. (laughs) Keep firing, assholes. So, um,. In addition to this opulence, the Titanic had advanced safety features, <laughs> mm-hmm. such as watertight compartments <laughs> and remotely activated watertight doors. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sorry, Brent, couldn't did, get through right? it. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she was also equipped with 16 lifeboat uh, Davids with a T. Because mm-hmm. it's evil, which uh, <laughs> each of which were capable of lowering three lifeboats for a total of, do the math, 48 boats. Now, I got a little spoiler to throw in on that. She only carried 20 lifeboats, four of which were collapsible and proved hard to launch when the ship was sinking. So that's mm-hmm. fun. She had a space for 48. We'll bring 20. That comes up yeah. uh, in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um they the the twenty lifeboats were capable of holding one thousand one hundred seventy eight people, which was about half the number of passengers on mm-hmm. board, and only a third of the number of passengers that the ship could have carried at full capacity. Yeah, that and was, uh, yeah, and interestingly, the, some of the few maritime safety regulations. Yeah, that was crowd. literally it was consistent with maritime safety of the area. They're just like that's fine, you know. Okay, mm. yeah, yeah. Oh, and also for shits and giggles on top of that, when the ship sank, most of the lifeboats that had been lowered were only about half full because, you know, mm. yeah. reasons and things. Animals. 
public mm-hmm. or just mm-hmm. people turn into animals. Right. Uh, also, yeah, those safety regulations, they're more of a guideline. Yeah. <laughs> The sea, she claims what she wants. We're just, <laughs> she's but our mistress. So Yeah. I, we, we're just living in her world. <laughs> right, right. And I know, I know that's backstory you probably already know. You saw the James Cameron 100% spot on documentary and you know the real story. Well, not so fast there, Sailor. When we come back. Boy, if if ooh, Brent only had a nickel for every sailor. time he said that. Not so fast, Sailor. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to regale you with theories. I didn't throw a conspiracy in. We'll see if that's conspiracy or not. Saying everything you think you know is horseshit. That's next on Hysteria 51. Boy, I wish I had enough money to upgrade to that horseshit cap. <laughs> Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor and we use it. Rosetta Stone, they're the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. (laughs) I definitely use it. I I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. (laughs) It's like, what are you trying to do? Do it right. Uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm-hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips. You need language in life. You need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else. Somewhere, you know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you. <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that. And there is a 50% offer, so it is a steal. So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, a today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Yeah, that, that horseshit cabin was just outside of my pay grade, you know. So talk about opulent. Oh, it's conspiracy theory time. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and the children are all excited. Just like every story in history, there is a theory about how what we have been told is bunk. Pretty much that's across the boards. No difference mm-hmm. here. Uh, but Titanic, some of the 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 ones are juicy. So we wanted to share our faves here in no particular order. Remember King Kong lives? Oh, God. Linda Hamilton was amazing as Dr. Amy Franklin fighting to perform a heart transplant and give Kong a computer-monitored artificial heart. 
That way he could be more like me, who already has Linda Hamilton in my heart. That is the kind of horse shit that I'm talking about. I and did not pay for that upgrade. <laughs> and this is the, uh, we've now doubled the King Kong Lives traffic on the internet <laughs> for the <laughs> month of April of 2022. Let's start uh, the, with the dumb conspiracy darling of the last few years. QAnon, no, no, if you guys have heard of that, hasn't made the news very much. This one started uh, early in the QAnon stuff. Uh, 2018, this uh, story kind of made the news. QAnon peeps say that J.P. Morgan sank the Titanic. Duh. Had you heard that before? Um, They're not the first ones to. No, they're to not the first ones. This, they were the sure, ones but... that ran with it again and pushed it as it fit into their um, views on the world, I guess I should say. Sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Views. Sure. It's, it's almost <laughs> so simple. See, lots of super wealthy people were on board and Morgan was supposed to be one of them. Uh, J. Piermont Morgan, here's a quote, had thought earlier in the year to return to America on the ill-fated Titanic. That's from the Washington Post. Then Mr. Morgan decided to lengthen his stay abroad. And a lot of people have, have talked about this, QAnon, a lot. This was a talking point. Their supporters say that Morgan sank the Titanic to assassinate Astor, Strauss, and Guggenheim, his most uh, supposed rival evil millionaires, you know, that he, he was, there is mortal enemies or, or whatever you want to call it. I see. If you're not familiar with Astor was the New York builder of hotels and skyscrapers. Strauss was a banker and he owned Macy's department store and Guggenheim owned the company that built uh, mining machinery. So all of them were uber, uber, uber rich and keeping in with a little bit of the, there's always uh, some truth to everything. Morgan did have a connection to the Titanic, his international mercantile marine company owned the White Star Line, which we talked about, built and operated the ship. Did you know the mirror scene in Terminator 2 was done by employing the equally as beautiful and talented twin sister of Linda Hamilton, Leslie, to act opposite her? I, Morgan even witnessed the Titanic's launching in Belfast on March 31st of 1911. So the conspiracists go on to say that Morgan canceled his Titanic trip at the last minute before the ship's departure. Then somehow, David, he's had the ship sank, killing 1,503 of the 2,224 passengers to get rid of Astor, Strauss, and Guggenheim. It's, it's almost too simple. How? How do you do it? How, you ask? How? Easy. They equipped the ship with the wrong signal oh. flares. Duh. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. That, so anyway. That'll sink a ship? Well, not to be outdone by something as mundane as signal flares, believers also claim the Titanic's deck or decks could be electromagnetically sealed to trap passengers. Some of the facts offered up in the retelling of this tale are absolutely hysterical to read, at least to anyone familiar with historical facts. That's uh, from this maritime historian, J. Kent Lawton. He wrote a book uh, in 2016, Conspiracy at Sea, Titanic, and Lusitania. Anyway, so he had it sank. He had them electromagnetically seal to trap the passengers just so that those guys would die. And then he had the wrong signal flares put on there. So if they were sinking, they couldn't signal for help. People wouldn't see it. Uh, just to get around... All okay. those things. So it didn't address the issue of causing it to sink, but causing it oh, to be rescued yeah, yeah, when yes. it was sinking. 
you slip someone a few bucks here and there and you know ships go down accidents <laughs> happen my friend accidents i wonder how happen. hard it is to just sink a ship <laughs> <laughs> like brit get on it get on a ship and just sink it <laughs> okay. well if it's a ship that i can afford walking too fast to the other side might do it but uh <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise if he didn't sail on the titanic you know is a conspiracy bunk because he didn't he changed his mind. Well, Morgan's actual reason for not sailing on the Titanic's main voyage is actually turns out well-documented, uh, or so they want us to think. But we'll, we'll, we'll go along with the, the well-documented. Uh, according to Brad Matson's 2008 book, Titanic's Last Secrets, Morgan was busy trying to ship his vast art collection in England and France by sea to New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art. This was something that at the time the world was excited about because he had a ton of art that he was bringing to America. And what happened was in late March, he hit a setback. U.S. Customs Office art specialist, they had sent this guy to London to inspect the shipments. He left for the States just like without completing it. And so Morgan stopped the shipments, asked for the art dealer supervising him to meet him in France in mid-April and sent a telegram to the white star lines president with the regrets like sorry this guy kind of gave me the shaft i can't leave because i can't send my stuff to Lou, you know um and he didn't make it because of uh that he didn't get all of his stuff shipped out and he still had to do business yikes and the whole world kind of knew about that but uh at least like we said that's what they want you to think <laughs> it was really murder What's a few thousand dead just so that you get your enemies dead, right? You know, when you're that rich, I mean, it's just kind of like what scraping the the horse shit cabins. It's off pronounced of your shoe. a Tuesday. It's just a yeah, Tuesday, exactly. Moving on to our next conspiracy, we were all wrong. You see, David, the Titanic never sank. That's complete bullshit. I sank that bitch proper. <laughs> you you sank the Titanic. I plead the fifth. <laughs> Right. Moving on. Remember that whole Wikipedia thing? That's one of them. Uh, <laughs> that I was talking about. Moving on. This one comes down to good old fashioned insurance fraud. Who who doesn't love a good insurance fraud? Me. <laughs> Wait. You said doesn't? Not me. <laughs> uh so some cunning and or enterprising hellion switched the Titanic with another White Star Line ship. The RMS Olympics. And we told you we'd get back to this stuff. That was foreshadowing. And not some David Copperfield <laughs> magic trick title. Like, oh, look, it's not there anymore. Just they swap nameplates and some paperwork and boom, no one is the wiser. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But why? Well, the Olympic was damaged while sailing from Southampton, England to New York in September of 1911. That is true. We know that. Yeah. Had to yeah. return to uh, the Harlan Wolf shipyard in Belfast for repairs. Okay. It uh it it chipped a um um propeller I think uh hit something uh not too far after it had left from um New York mm -hmm. and uh um it this is this is part of the conspiracy too I it it, it hit something where something should not have been like it, they were they were out enough in the ocean that it was it should have been deep enough nothing would have been under that water. And yet they something caused the propeller uh, to be hit and chipped, and they basically limped back to um, Belfast to get repairs. 
So they say they repaired the Olympic and it sailed to New York and then back. Then it returned back to Belfast for more repairs in March of 1912, meaning there were still some issues, some kinks. A few weeks uh, this was before the Titanic set sail. So what really happened is some person or people found that the Olympic was actually too severely damaged to be profitable. That whole, oh, it was just a propeller was horseshit. She'd actually taken uh, on her on her side, she'd taken damage. So uh, at some point, they switched it with the Titanic to purposely ditch the ship and reap the insurance money. Uh, why instead of just doing it on the Olympic <laughs> reasons, um, you know, oh, and murder a bunch of people in the process. That's just a bonus. Right. Seabot. Damn right. Exactly. Yeah. It's the perfect crime. Not so fast, though. It turns out there are a lot of holes, David, in this story. Port holes. I like holes. God damn it, David. I thought I asked you to have the holes talk with Kyle. Plot holes. Like when Linda Hamilton was in Children of the Corn. Shut, Shut up. Oh, my God. Anyway. And I did have the whole talk with him. <laughs> I included Shia LaBeouf and everything. So That's an underrated Don't movie. lecture that me. Is a, that is a fun bruh. movie. <laughs> anyway, one of the biggest holes in this theory is that the Titanic's insurance wasn't even enough to cover the Olympics loss. So whoever thought of this was a dumb. And then Jay Kent Layton writes, uh, that's in that Conspiracies of the Seas, the switch conspiracy flounders quite literally on its financial merits alone <laughs> boom um yeah i'm gonna do this to reap the money oh i didn't even get enough money that's like come on i mean that that to me it kind of closes the door right away you know like everything about this i could buy into a rich dude killing uh, you know, over almost two thousand people to just off a few people. That actually sure that that one uh, feels right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that feels good. You know, switching stuff over. You know, if if one of them had a had a problem, the other one that uh, all that is sure I can accept that. But when you don't get enough money to to cover the even the trouble. It takes to to go through right. and file the claim. Why yep. would you do it? Yep, yep. <sighs> Reasons, or you're just not smart, and that's another reason. Uh, next, moving on. This is one that I had never heard of, and it was an older conspiracy theory that but really, it checks out. yeah. This one <laughs> is the thirty nine zero nine space zero four theory. Are you with me? 3909 space 04. This one, like I said, uh, is interesting because they said that 3909 space 04 was the ship's number. All ships have numbers on them from ocean liners to little dinghies. <laughs> they all got a number. And all you need is a mirror to see how truly diabolical these bastards were in assigning numbers to the Titanic. Oh, no. You see, yep, you guessed it. The ship's number reads, no Pope, <laughs> and reflected backwards. Oh God. Uh, uh, no a Pope. Four is Four stands for A. It's not in. Uh, it stands for whatever the hell they want it to be when you're making up a conspiracy. No Pope. <laughs> it basically, how... Let's let's take this to to its uh, logical conclusion. If four equals a, it's be it would be oh pope. <laughs> so maybe it's like in league with the Vatican instead of 
anti-Vatican. <laughs> oh, Pope! So when you look this one on, uh, you know, you can go to Snopes on this one, and uh, they had the picture of how they said, quote-unquote, it was written, and then the um, you look it up, and it's... It, it, <laughs> Saying no is is a stretch, but uh, it almost looks more like Hope Hope. <laughs> but somehow they got no Pope from that. And hey, you know, let's not let a few facts and figures uh, get in the way. Well, we're, we're going to find out even more about that. Anyway, Titanic historian Walter Lord wrote that he received letters from people in Ireland relaying the no Pope story beginning way back in the 1950s. This guy was, was a historian then. There is one teensy tiny little problem with this theory 3909 space 04 was not the number of the titanic and was never attached to it in any way shape or form where did that come from well there's a couple ways so real quick the whole number painted on the ship was 401 it you know like i said they do have numbers same of its yard number at harlan and wolf and its board of trade number was 131428 it's just made up garbage that caught traction it was one of those things that they had so I guess in the Harland and Wolf sh- yards, they had, didn't really have any Catholics working there. They were all Protestants. Okay. So this was a, they don't allow Catholics to work there. And this was a fuck you to the Catholics and they're satanic and they're not real Christians. Uh, so, those Protestants wrote no Pope as the number. It was just, just like the whole Procter and Gamble is part of the devil from the eighties and stuff like that. Sometimes, Companies just get thrown under the bus for one reason or another. This one was an early one that was like letters sent out and, um, you know, it, it, it caught, this is pre-internet for this to catch on. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. So, so it's a product of the troubles. Well, no, it's a product of the devil. I already told you the uh, the devil and the Protestants and hope, hope is more fun to me. Just hope, hope. (laughs) Hey, I want some papal. Anyway. (laughs) That's the dude that goes around to all the cathedrals and he's like, where's my money, bitch? Where's my money, bitch? I'm going to forget the Pope. Hey, Hey, where's my money? I'm the whole Pope. You better tithe, bitch. (laughs) You you want half of the Pope or you want a whole Pope? (laughs) <laughs> well, David, we've talked a lot of crazy schemes. We've talked uh, Pope nonsense. Um, more to come, I'm sure. Time for an honest-to-goodness, good old-fashioned curse. It's been a oh, while wow. since we've had a good curse on here. Uh, the curse of Amun-Ra, to be exact. I like when my curses have names. And mm-hmm. um, this one stems from an actual artifact, which we will find out a little bit about. This one is interesting. And uh, the, it was, so going into it, the, uh, the ancient artifact that it was inspired this story can still be seen at the British Museum. If you're feeling froggy, you want to investigate this one on your own or happen to have been, maybe you've even seen it. We'll get into that. But the short and the sweet of the conspiracy is the Titanic went to its watery grave because it was carrying a cursed mummy in its cargo hold. There is a passage that gets sent around in emails and on sites. It's a little long but it's worth the read. David, you want to give us a read of this verbatim? This is what gets sent around and you can still find it on tons of angel fire and the like websites around from the nineties. Okay. I'll give it a shot here. 
Of all the tales of the supernatural, <laughs> this one is perhaps the best documented, the most disturbing, and the most difficult to explain. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the princess of Amun-Ra lived some 1,500 years before Jesus the Christ. When she died, she was laid in an ornate wooden coffin and buried deep in a vault at Luxor on the banks of the Nile. Luxor on the Nile, not the one in Vegas, just in case you're you're keeping track. In the late 1890s, four rich young Englishmen visiting the excavations at Luxor were invited to buy an exquisitely fashioned mummy case containing the remains of Princess Amun-Ra. They drew lots. The man who won paid several thousand pounds and had the coffin taken to his hotel. A few hours later, he was seen walking out towards the desert. He never returned. (laughs) The next day, one of the remaining three men was shot by an Egyptian servant accidentally. His arm was so severely wounded, it had to be amputated. The third man in the foursome found on his return home that the bank holding his entire savings had failed. The fourth guy suffered a severe illness, lost his job, and was reduced to selling matches in the street. Nevertheless, the coffin reached Ingoland, causing other misfortunes along the way, which I won't go into here because (laughs) who has the time, where it was bought by a London businessman. After three of his family members had been injured in a road accident and his house damaged by fire, the businessman donated it to the British Museum. As the coffin was being unloaded from a truck in the museum courtyard, the truck suddenly went into reverse and trapped the passerby. Didn't kill him, just just trapped him. It was a very big inconvenience at the time. (laughs) I got places to be. Then as the casket was being lifted up the stairs by two workmen, one fell and broke his leg. The other, apparently in perfect health, died unaccountably two days later. Once the princess was installed in the Egyptian room, trouble really started. <laughs> now we're and we're gas. talking beyond inconveniences here. <laughs> I'm stuck. I'm stuck. <laughs> I'm supposed to be in mass. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Pope. <laughs> <laughs> The museum's night watchman frequently heard frantic hammering and sobbing from the coffin. Other exhibits in the room were also often hurled about at night. Mm. One watchman died on duty, making the other watchman wanting to quit. Cleaners refused to go near the princess, too, when a visitor derisively flicked a dust cloth at the face painted on the coffin. His child died of measles soon afterwards. (laughs) Finally, the authorities had the mummy carried down to the basement, figuring it couldn't do any harm down Mm -hmm. there. Within a week, one of the helpers was seriously ill, and the supervisor of the move was found dead on his (laughs) desk. By now, the papers had heard of it. A journalist photographer took a picture of the mummy case, and when he developed it, the painting on the coffin was of a horrifying human face. (laughs) The photographer was said to have gone home then, locked his bedroom door, and shot himself. He became locked in his limousine and ate himself to death. <laughs> Sorry, no, that was that was Pizza the Hut. Sorry. <laughs> I get those two confused sometimes. You're delicious. You're delicious, boss. 
<laughs> Soon afterwards, the museum sold the mummy to a private collector. After continual misfortune and deaths, the owner banished it to the attic. Which is another thing that we've learned on this show. When you got something bad, like a haunted doll or something, just put it in the attic. Basement, attic. attic mm. <laughs> <laughs> What's in your attic? Robert the doll and a cursed mummy. Mm, that sounds nice. I'm going to go up there if you don't mind. <laughs> a well-known authority on the occult, Madame Helena Blavatsky. Visitors. We've talked about that. That hot piece of a sun here a few times, too. <laughs> <laughs> Upon entry, she was seized with a shivering fit and searched the house for the source of an evil influence of incredible intensity. She finally came to the attic and found the mummy case. <laughs> the case of the mummy case. <laughs> Can you exercise this evil spirit? asked the owner. There is no such thing as exorcism. Evil remains evil forever. I mean, that's not the definition of exorcism, but okay. <laughs> Nothing can be done about it. I implore you to get rid of this evil as soon as possible. This house is clean. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Zelda. But no British museum would take the... Oh, sorry. But no British museum would take the mummy. <laughs> the, the fact that almost 20 people had met with misfortune disaster or death from handling the casket in barely 10 years was now well known. Eventually, a hard-headed American archaeologist who dismissed the happenings as quirks of circumstance <laughs> paid a handsome price for the mummy and arranged for its removal to New York. In April 1912, the new owner escorted its treasure aboard a sparkling new white star liner about to make its maiden voyage to New York. On the night of April 14th, amid scenes of unprecedented horror, the princess of Amun-Ra accompanied 1,500 passengers to their deaths at the bottom of the Atlantic. The name of the ship was, of course, the HMS No Pope. <laughs> Man, that was a little long, but it is word for word one of those things that just was everywhere. I, I read that in the style of Angel Fire, by yes. the way. <laughs> uh, I sh uh, the page I got it from, which I believe, so you can you could highlight this. I, I wrote that out for you in the notes here. Um, you can highlight it, put it into any you know, Google or or search into your choice, and you're going to find a ton of hits because it's around, and they're off in the '90s. Like this is a, and the page I got it from was like a yellow backed page, or was it black with yellow writing? One or the other. I was like, this is. If it didn't have an under construction sign at the bottom next to it, I'll be very upset. Anyway, uh, if it didn't have a bunch of like grinning skulls yes. that were just kind of rotating, yeah. Yeah. that's called art, my friend. Anyway. Sadly for this theory, um, guess what? No mummy, what? cursed or otherwise, was carried as cargo by the ship. In fact, uh, they looked into it. In 1985, Charles Haas, H-A-A-S, president of the National Titanic <laughs> Historical Society, he actually got access to the ship's cargo manifest and cargo diagrams, double-checked everything, not so much as one mummy was listed. Allegedly. Allegedly is correct. I mean, maybe it was slipped in there. Um, but hey, Snope points out, if you go to Snopes, uh, the tale is, it's inconsistent, but it, it has um, a, a definite beginning. This is from Snopes. 
One of the few names quoted in the piece is that of Helena Blavatsky, the well-known occultist of the period, and we're told that the dead princess of Amun-Ra was purchased in Luxor, Egypt by four foolish young Englishmen in the late 1890s. While later in the same piece, we're informed that Helena Blavatsky's dire pronouncements to the private collector were supposedly uh, they had possession of the mummy right before it was shipped off to the Titanic. These claims cannot both be true because Blavatsky died of influenza in 1891 and the Titanic's first voyage didn't take place until 1912. So Mm. boo hiss on that. Um, Also, I said we have an actual artifact. The mummy to which this story refers, which was actually just the coffin lid, not a mummy of Priestess Amun-Ra, uh, never left the British Museum. It's still there to this day. You can go find, you can go look at it. They, didn't, they don't have the mummy. They don't have the whole thing. They just have the lid. And this is actually just a rework of a popular ghost story concocted around the turn of the century by two Englishmen named William Steed and Douglas Murray. It was a famous story. And the ghost story made the leap from London to the Titanic after William Steed went down with the ship on April 15th in 1912, of course. So he was traveling to America uh, actually at President Taft's request to address a peace conference. Um, And I guess he had, while he was on the Titanic, he kept telling the cursed mummy tale to the passengers over and over again because that was (laughs) what he did. It was his story that he'd written. So um, he reportedly defied superstitions by stating his narrative of a dinner party uh, while on the Titanic. And uh, he concluded that the tale just m- right after midnight on the 13th. Oh, God. Oh, no. Anyway, that's all dumb. Uh, we know this because a few days after the Titanic sinking, one of the survivors recounted the story of Steed's talking about the mummy curse with the interview with the New York World newspaper. Boom. That's where that came from. The story uh, merged and then they took the story from Steed and Murray, uh, invented the the presence on the Titanic. And he was on the Titanic, didn't invent it, but he used his presence and kind of shaped it into this new legend about the mummy actually being aboard. At least this one had some legs and you can track where it came from. I mean, that's that's it's kind of cool, like the way we we have the origins of yeah. this uh, this story, this conspiracy. Even the interview with the woman is like, oh yeah, the, he. This guy on there was telling us a story about this mummy story that they'd made up. And they're like, "Ah, I can make up something myself. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's kind of incredible. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, Very few times I find in a lot of these conspiracies can you find that much detail into where it comes from. But, hey, what you going to do? Break time. Let's come back. Uh, When we come back, there is an incredibly spooky coincidence with the Titanic We're going to talk about that next on Hysteria 51. The coincidence was they had just a shit ton of bandages. (laughs) All right. All right, David, tell us about a spooky coincidence, namely the wreck of the Titan. Boy, oh boy. Uh, this is, this is a good one. This is fun. Um, And real. It's crazy. And real. And yeah. Uh, so on a chilly April night, the world's largest ship, a British ocean liner deemed unsinkable by experts, was floating with 2,500 passengers asleep on board. Then its starboard side struck an iceberg while moving at 25 knots 
and she sank quickly. So, sounds pretty familiar, the Titanic. No! (laughs) This is the plot of a book released 14 years before the Titanic sank. Mm -hmm. Morgan Roberts published The Wreck of the Titan in 1898. That blows my mind that it was so close. And it goes on from there. There's a lot of little key things. So he, Roberts had spent a a lot of his life in maritime, you know, being a sailor. and, And he was very versed in ships and shipbuilding and ship sailing and all these things. Mm-hmm. And so he went into a lot of details about uh, how a ship like this would sink, and they were very close. So in the book, the Titan is 800 feet, and the Titanic was 882 feet. Very close. The Titan hit at 25 knots. The Titanic hit at 22.5 knots. Mm. Both hit on the starboard side at the same time around midnight. There was 2,500 passengers on the Titan, 2,200 passengers, though both could hold much, much more, mm-hmm. and both sank in the North Atlantic 400 miles from Newfoundland. And guess what the Titan had? A lack of lifeboats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> though the Titan only had a dozen survivors, Titanic had 705, so that's good. What, what are the chances of something like that being so close? Oh, it's... It's probably astronomically uh, uh, high that, and even uh, the name Titan. So, Titanic. Yeah, that something like this would be this close. But I mean, unless this guy literally controlled the uh, size of the ship when it was being built, the speed it was going, the number of passengers were on it, where the iceberg was that mm-hmm. could sink it and how many, like, unless he had a direct hand in controlling all that, I don't think something like this could be set up to emulate this book. Speaking of control, in the 1987 season. No. <laughs> no, I'm done wait, with Wait, let's help. hear this one out. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that or he, speaking of control, also, he just had control of time and space and could see the future. He had what that chronovisor. He had the chronovisor. Yeah. yeah. He is a reverse. Uh, no, that's not right. He is a uh, modern day Nostradamus. We can't have a chronovisor though, because that was the Catholic church. And as we know now, there's no Pope. So the whole chronovisor, I don't, I don't chronovisor doesn't really fit in with this story. I apologize for my tomfoolery bringing that up. Yes, you should. Thirty nine oh nine. We'll we'll 04. speak. Uh, we'll speak about this uh, all fair. This is going to be in your review. I want you to know this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just made, it, it it makes me go wow. You know, uh, this guy was batting a lot better than Nostradamus. It feels like. Well, also in reading, as like one of those things where around the eight hundred to nine hundred feet were where they were trying to they were ex- expecting the giant ships to be um, that. The whole speed, 25 knots, 22 and a half, 25, would be about what a ship like that would be cruising at. Those things, the whole life boats, well, they don't they don't have enough. That was what they did early on in, dis- you know, they, they usually don't fill those boats up. You know, there's yeah. a lot of things that he would have, he could have hit on that were, weren't just educated guesses. 400 miles off the Newfoundland, though, North Atlantic, starboard side, hitting in the same spot, both striking a iceberg. Those are a little harder to predict. Well done, Morgan Roberts. That that could be, uh, first of all, it could be a hotspot for icebergs, ironically enough. 
uh, you know, there could be that could be where a lot of known icebergs were mm-hmm. at the time. Um, or at least where people had, had witnessed them, you know, coming down from the Arctic and hitting the starboard side, you got a 50, 50 chance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if someone said it hit hit the port side, you'd be like, well, he said he hit the port side, but it hit. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, so that's, that's still not beyond the realm of, uh, uh, educated guests for me. Yeah. And if he had spent enough time around these, he knew the shortcuts that were made when ships were built. He knew that the greedy people who were in charge of getting these built would take other shortcuts, you know, and mm-hmm. um, he'd probably seen or witnessed maiden voyages where a lot of stuff, I, I mean, it, it all kind of falls in line with if you are really a veteran uh, of the sea, you know, if you're an old salt you probably have a pretty good idea of how all these things they they don't veer too far off uh, the same yeah, trajectory. There's a when, formula. When they happen. There's yeah. a formula, so to speak. Exactly. So yeah, it's uh, on the surface. It and and it is incredible. Like um, not downplaying the fact that this is a, a crazy coincidence, but I think you you kind of hit it there with um, <laughs> I get one point with crazy. Coincidences. Uh, 1.21 miles from Newfoundland. Um, <laughs> so it, it, uh, it it's more of an educated, uh, it's a series of educated mm-hmm. guesses mm-hmm. Yeah. that uh, it's not that far of a stretch if you really know what you're talking about. A little about. luck and a lot of knowledge goes a long way in a yeah, situation exactly. like Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're building cars, you know, and, and you're like someone's building the, the fastest sports car, well, you're, and if you've spent your whole life around them doing that, then you could be like, you know, well, did they, did they, uh, um, compensate for this thing? Did, did they make sure this was, uh, checked off the box? You know, like there, there are different things you could be like, well, if they don't, if they don't have, uh, X, then Y will probably happen. Yeah, uh, if if they are in, as they always know, say, X going to give it to you. So it's true, and yeah. and and he sure did in this, <laughs> in this scenario. He sure gave it to him. Uh, question for you, sir, because we've talked a lot of different conspiracies. You know, from made up ones that were because of stories to made up that weren't true to filling in pieces to make it sound like it was, you know, done on purpose through JP Morgan and everything in between. What makes a good conspiracy or good is probably the improper word there, but what do you think makes a conspiracy stick or people want to believe? And now we're kind of living in a time where anything happens. Look at the fact that uh, we just did the Chris rock, got slapped by Will Smith the next day. Everyone's like, it was conspiracy. They did it on purpose to do this. And then anything that happens now, there's a conspiracy for it. What makes one that's good or that stands the test of time that people, uh, glom onto? Do you think a couple things on it? I think that people want to believe something when something is unbelievable. Yeah. They want something to latch on to and and say, okay, this helps me understand this because mm-hmm. it's so unfathomable. That's you know, in this in in this case, fifteen hundred people died, you know, on something that was supposed to be state of the art, unsinkable, blah, blah, blah. You need something to latch on to to explain it. So so it, you know, you kind of gives you a little comfort. And, also, well, right. Yeah, absolutely. 
and two, uh, all of this stuff. Ob- obviously, it's a it's a kind of cliche at this point, but there's kernels of truth to a lot of this mm-hmm. uh, stuff. You know, you can believe that a mega one of the richest people in the world is kind of a sociopath. <laughs> you can believe that um, uh, steps were skipped. Uh, which they they were, uh, let's be honest. Um, and you can believe that if you know there's a, a just a small handful of people they could pull this switch off. And we didn't even get into the nitty gritty details of all the stuff that was switched. They literally would say that they took a bell from the Olympic, yeah. scratched out the name, and and installed it on the Titanic. You know, stuff down to that level. Um, because everything was kind of behind doors when they're working on it. And, you know, they, not everybody has access to the shipyard. So if you don't, if, if you don't see what's going on and nothing is, is quite transparent enough for you to believe, then you kind of take leaps mentally. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, I think a lot of that is what happened, uh, with this. And a lot of it also is not knowing most of the details. And for instance, I'll give you an example on this. I don't think a lot of people would know that the insurance payoff does not uh, mm, in yeah. any way, shape, or form meet what was lost. You know, it doesn't meet or exceed. They just hear, oh, it's an insurance scam and automatically assume they made tons more money than they spent yeah. on this. And that's just not the case. Sometimes insurance scams are just kind of a way to recoup what so you don't lose it all. But yeah, I think a lot of times people go like, oh, and then they laughed all the way to the bank. And uh, exactly. And it, and you know, people can believe that uh, the rich people in charge would have no problem doing that. And, you know, to a degree, that is true. But when you get down to it like this, and, and I mean, look at insurance today mm. in, in America, at least. Yeah, it's it's a huge scam. <laughs> I think that also <laughs> hot take, hot take. <laughs> no, uh, I know. I think controversial. That also, <laughs> one of the things I think that is true for a lot of people is knowing gives you power. Like you feel yeah. like you're on the inside a little bit. Like you got oh, some I, control, right? Right of an uncontrollable situation like this, mm-hmm. and sometimes giving it a, a a scapegoat or a villain or anything just makes you feel control of an out of control situation or world, which yeah. really is the world to us. Exactly. And I fall into them too. A lot of conspiracies. I go, ugh. there's a lot of them that, and there's also conspiracies that, you know, we look at and people go, okay, whatever. Yeah. But then you look at like stuff like JFK and they, the grassy knoll and the shooter and it sounds crazy. And then the house on assassinations and the government goes, yeah, there's more to the story. You know what I mean? And that and the Martin Luther King were both probably conspiracies and we have proof, but we're never going to know what was actually said yeah. uh, in those things. So for every outlandish one, there's stuff like that, that there are kernels or nuggets of truth that it was really a conspiracy. It's hard to shame anyone for <laughs> going down those roads. Yeah, no, it's... It- it, it it's annoying because of course there are some conspiracies that are true and they end up being true. Maybe it's not the exact same path that, you know, conspiracists think it took to get to that end, but it still happened. So 
it's one of those things where you kind of have to take things case by case. You can't say, well, this one was true. Therefore they're all true. Absolutely. Right. Right. And, well, and right. this one was, was fake. Therefore this other one couldn't, couldn't be, no, everything's case by case. Everything is gray. There's no black and white. You if know? It, so if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it might be a cat. You better do your research. <laughs> that is what I've learned of the world, uh, especially after doing this this show for so it many years. It might be a TikTok video. Be you careful. You are right. We're talking about something like this. It's such a lasting event. It keeps people's attention after all these years. Why? Yeah. Because it was such a tragedy. It was such a monumental thing that was celebrated by the world and you know, said it's unsinkable. This thing is just a modern marvel. We have, mm -hmm. we have, you know, I read a quote. I don't know who to give a credit to, but it said the ship's sinking still captivates imaginations as both a genuine tragedy and a near perfect metaphor for humanity's hubris. I think that sums it up very, oh, yeah. very poignantly. Uh, uh, this, this is, is it's, it's a modern. It's blood, a modern blood, blood. day Icarus story, mm -hmm, you know, exactly. And uh, like, there's so, <laughs> there's so many cool, uh, aspects of this conspiracy and they, a lot of it's mostly cool to me because it's, it's either disprovable or it's just, you can tell where it came from, Right. but there were three ships that uh, white star line built, um, Titanic, we've mentioned the Olympic, and then there was the Britannic BRI. That one became like a, a military ship, didn't it? Eventually, that one became a medical, yeah, yeah, medical ship in World War II, and it it suffered a lot of uh, trouble as well, yeah, but in different ways. Well, the thing you ought to think about, and this is what you're talking about earlier, that don't want this to get lost on people. We talked about how big the ships are now. These things were in the news because they were absolutely massive for the time. If you're wondering exactly how big, you know, this thing was so huge, it was, you know. Bigger than a Walmart. That is actually true. <laughs> that, is, that is large, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's this goes down. It, it's the details on this, and I, I would suggest if people are interested, go in and uh, uh, get the these books that we mentioned because mm -hmm. it goes down to the painting of the ships. Mm -hmm. um, it goes down to the number of portholes people have counted up yep. and said that, you know, the Titanic – when it was launched had this many, but then when it, you know, when there was repairs done, it came out, it had this many, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's really uh, fascinating. And, uh, and then at the end, it's just like, but it's not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say it's not true. I, I know that uh, if we go back and look at the three, nine, zero, nine space, zero, four, we haven't been able to get to them yet. Giorgio, what do you have to say about that whole conspiracy? If you look at all the pieces it's the only conclusion that you can draw. I think that sums it up perfectly for us. Uh, I think so too. Yeah. What do you guys right. think? <laughs> you guys being the non crazy haired aficionados of ancient aliens, uh, the listeners at home. Do you guys know any conspiracies that we didn't cover that uh, we should have on this or any other maritime tragedy? Because that's such a fun thing to say out loud. <laughs> Let us know. Go to Hysteria Nation. That's just hop on Facebook, search Hysteria Nation. You can tell us that's our Facebook discussion group. We have a ton of fun on there. If you're on Facebook, look up facebook.com slash hysteria51pod. That's our regular page. You can listen to the episodes. You can find all sorts of stuff on there. Patreon, patreon.com slash hysteria51. 
we're going to be doing much more weird news as in a weekly releasing them on there a few weeks early with no commercials or anything. So you can get them on there every week. Bonus episodes. Yes. (laughs) Plus all sorts of other stuff. Uh, Radio dramas, pictures, up all nights, mad blurriest areas, cafeteria 51s, all sorts of shenanigans. Voicemail. A couple ways you can do it. You can give us a call. 773-669-7277. Again, 773-669-7277. Or you can go to the new and improved hysteria51.com. Find out all of our links and nonsense and bottom right, click on the microphone and leave us a voicemail right there. Whoa. Yeah. How crazy. Speaking of crazy, what's going on in those blurry photos craziness? Uh, still, uh, uh, coming out with the old fog episode. I don't, by, by now it might have, uh, released, but, uh, with the time dilation and everything, it's hard <laughs> to see with those chrono, vi- with the chrono visor, <laughs> I got to tiptoe around the, uh, anti-pope. Um, but, uh, that's what's going on there. And then, um, um, quizbangpod.com or search quiz, quiz, bang, bang for trivia. Uh, we got all kinds of fun stuff coming out. A James Bond themed episode Ooh, coming out. It would be terrible at um, that. Terrible at James Bond. I don't know enough Bond. Oh man, it's 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 just fun. Does it really hold up? But <laughs> it's fun. Um, and uh, we just recorded a group episode with. I don't know if you ever saw this, Brent, but uh, a local uh, Illinoisan. Uh, who produced a number of shows in Chicago, like Impress These Apes and Don't Spit the Water. Uh, Steve Gadlin, he was on Shark mm-hmm. Tank with I Want to Draw a Cat for You. Yes. Uh, and he got funded by yes. Mark Cuban. What a crazy yeah. story. Look, if yeah. you guys are at home, look that up. How awesome of a story is that? Yeah. So he and his friends were just on an episode with us. Uh, they they played together. Was it's going to be great? It's going to be a great episode. So that's coming Absolutely. up in uh, a week, or maybe this week when this releases. This it might come out this or week, so. maybe never. Let's keep them guessing. <laughs> or you know, <laughs> no pope. It could be switched out with the other uh, people who went on Shark Tank. <laughs> uh, uh, and the, the number of portholes will tell yeah, you the, the truth. The the Olympic Olympus. I meant to say. <laughs> 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 yep. So that's been uh, well our ramblings and the truth about the maritime disaster, the sinking of the Titanic. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been David. He's been conspiracy bot. And Linda Hamilton. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Do you know this boy? Stay woke meat sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. We'll be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. 
head to Hero.co to shop today.